is Find Your Dream Job, the podcast that helps you get hired, find the career you want, and make a difference in life. I'm Mac Pritchard, founder and publisher of Max List. To get your dream job, you need clear goals, great skills, and a good network. You also have to know how to look for work. One of the best ways to get good at job hunting is to talk to people who do it well. That's why once a month, I interview a MaxList reader who found a job they love. Our guest shares how they did it and offers their best job search tips. Today, I'm talking with Drake McFarlane. He works as a fraud analyst at Columbia Sportswear, a company headquartered here in Portland, Oregon. Drake loves numbers. He also likes to set goals and measure his progress. Drake says those qualities played a big part in his successful job hunt. After graduating from Lewis and Clark College last year, he set targets for applications, informational interviews, and other key steps. And Drake tracked what he did. He also asked his network for help, and Drake stayed in touch with his connections. In an article you can find on the MaxList website, Drake says his data-driven approach made a big difference. He not only landed a stellar job, he was also promoted in his first year. Drake, welcome to the show. Happy to be here, Mac. Well, I appreciate you coming downtown. Uh, Now, you work at Columbia Sportswear, a really cool company, and you're a fraud analyst there, and that's kind of a cool job title. Yeah, it's it's certainly a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, tell us, why do you love your job, Drake? Well, besides the fact that I get to say I hunt Russians for a living, I actually enjoy my workplace. I have a marvelous team I work with, my manager's a fantastic mentor, and the company Columbia Sportswear is is fantastic. And and you get uh, great discounts in the employee store, too. Oh, that's the thing that truly matters. (laughs) The one problem though is everybody wants my discounts as well oh gosh so you immediately got like ten thousand uh linkedin friends something like that yes yeah well let's talk about your job search now what was your biggest challenge uh, when you were looking for this position the hardest thing for me was right out of college even if you have tons of experience you're fighting against thousands of people who may have more experience than you and have been doing it longer so for me if i was going to stand out from the crowd best thing I could do is highlight the skills I have and then do it as many times as possible. So how did you do that, Drake? Because the the point you're making here is one I hear from a lot of uh, college students who are getting ready to graduate, but also from people in their early 20s, and they don't have a lot of professional experience or uh, maybe just some internships, which are important. But how did you, how did you make your skills stand out? So for me, the first thing I did was focus on hard, measurable skills. So I worked as a research assistant. That was great. How do you quantify that? Well, in my resume, I focused on statistical software I used or quantitative methods and made that at the head of my resume, right below education. Once I did that, I focused on matching those skills to potential jobs. So I set targets for myself, say, 10 applications in a given day. Fine. Any of those applications had to speak directly towards my skills, or I can pivot my skills directly towards those jobs. The idea is that not to blindly send out as many resumes as I can on Indeed, but instead focus on, okay, I could plausibly go for, say, analyst roles. All right, I'm only going to focus on analyst roles. They're always going to be data-focused. My resume is going to be tailored for that. And of course, cover letters naturally as well. And then try and just pound the pavement. The idea is that, hey, if I got one resume that was accepted by them and they wanted an interview, that's great. And statistically speaking, that's not bad either. And as long as I had those measurable goals and I was meeting them, that kept me staying the course. 
because you know the hardest thing is say you're just throwing out resumes every single day. It can get a little bit demoralizing. It took me a couple months to get a great job. But if you're saying, all right, I'm meeting my goals. Sure, I may not have gotten the big fish on day one, but maybe after day 20, I do, and I've been doing the best I can during that time. And it wasn't just about the numbers, was it? It was you were thinking about, you were looking for the jobs that you were qualified for and that met your career goals. Completely. It wasn't just saying anything that was open for somebody with a four-year degree. No, I I zeroed in immediately after talking with somebody in my network saying, oh, Drake, you seem like you're analytical. Go for analyst roles. The moment I identified an area I could focus on, I drove all my efforts towards it. Sure, I could have done 10 other things, but I just focused on what I knew I had a shot at. Okay, so your choices were strategic. Yes. Yeah. And I, I want to hear more about how you customize your resumes and your cover letters because I, I meet job seekers who want to do that, but they're not sure how to do it, Drake. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they struggle with how much they should tweak their material. What guidelines did you follow? So for me, with my resume, uh, one of the first things I did was I talked to somebody in my network who I knew was a recruiter who had been recruiting for 20 years. He recommended, okay, you may not have a ton of experience out in the workplace. You've done a couple internships, but you have specific skills. So make your resume skill-focused. You have your uh, experience at the bottom, but first thing you go, okay, you go to, say, Excel. Sure, but what does Excel actually entail? Oh, you can make projections. You can do financial evaluations. You can do data analytics. What does data analytics imply? And so on and so forth. You play that game with yourself to figure out what you can use your skills towards helping out a business. It's all about that value added. So for me, when I went into an interview, yes, I you know was a plucky kid, but utilizing statistical techniques, I could you know increase top-line revenue by XYZ percent. Being able to relate it back to the company bottom line, or top line, depending, while having my skills being able to speak to that was essential. It's better than just saying, I can do math. Cool, what can you use the math for? Or say you're a great writer. What do you use that writing for? Is it just, you know... What? Oh, well, I can do copywriting. I can do technical writing. I've been editing for many, many years. I um, have experience in marketing and online you know, journalism. That sort of thing is focusing your skills front and center and how they can help out a company. I, I love that. Not only just describing the skills, because I think that's where most people stop. Mm-hmm. You talked about what was in it for the employer. Now, let's back up. When you were sitting down, you, you mentioned that's what you uh, focused on in interviews, but when you were sitting down looking at a job posting, getting ready to compose that cover letter and, and tweak that resume, and you wanted to emphasize what you could do for the employer, how did how did you make those edits in your application materials? So this should come as a shock to no one, but I researched the company I'd apply for. Um, and the key thing I found is that for companies in a particular sector, so say a tech sector, they're usually fairly similar in what they want. You check out their core values, it's something like integrity, innovation, that sort of thing. Okay, great. Well, you have to make sure you hit their keywords somewhere within your resume, because chances are they probably have a filter for it. The other thing is, say you're applying for a particular department that's new and growing, talk about how you can help grow things. It sounds sort of um, simple at the start, but if you don't even look up anything about the company in the first place or how you would fit into that organization, then you're writing your cover letter blind. The other thing I would do is, depending on the role and the organization, in my cover letter, I would highlight some experience or some skill I've used that's directly germane to what they do. So, for instance, for Columbia, I had an internship where I'd done a little fraud work. It wasn't a lot, but it was a very cool project that I got to spend some time on. So naturally, in my cover letter, I spoke to it a lot 
While in other cover letters to other companies, I didn't mention it because it wasn't immediately relevant. And I'm sorry, you did what kind of project? Oh, oh, so um, at a company that's known as Noventus, it was yeah. formerly Precash down the road, um, I worked on one of their products that had some fraud issues. and I found, Oh, fraud issues. Yeah, yeah exactly. Great. And I found that and I was like, oh, this is really a fun, B, help save the company money. And C, um, totally relevant to my later job that I got. So, okay, yeah. that's great. And I, I know you talked in your article about how you got rejection. You would <laughs> hear from hiring managers that you'd interviewed for a position, oh, yeah. and you didn't get it. And we've all been there, Drake. Uh, how, how did you? What did you do next when you got that no? When you got oh, that yeah. phone call saying, "I'm sorry, we went with another candidate." That was always the hardest part, and particularly the worst ones after you've had several interviews and you thought you were getting close to position or you might have just been there. The key thing for me is to take a moment to step back. If you immediately start beating up on yourself, you're not going to help anything. So what I would do is go take a walk, and usually I go rock climb. That's my physical activity. I go rock climb. I would just take an hour or two to just reset. Afterwards, I would try and figure out why they might not necessarily have wanted me. Sometimes it's worth emailing them back, but so early in the interview process, they might not have you. But if you were like a finalist, it's a good idea to get what your strengths were versus what your weaknesses. And if, they're, if, they, if you made a good impression on them, they might tell you. Then you can wonder, okay, how can I improve, A? And if it's not something I can necessarily improve, then it might just not be a culture fit. And if it's not a culture fit, that's okay. If, you're, if it's a company you liked, but you wouldn't have gotten along with the people in the first place, or they wouldn't have gotten along with you, it might have been a good idea you didn't get in the first place. So it's either you be constructive or realize, eh, it's a closed door, go for the next open one. Any quick tips about how to ask for that feedback? Do you ask for it when the manager's on the phone with you saying, sorry, Drake, it's not a good, it's not going to work? Or did would you wait a couple days and then follow up with it? Depends on how you feel. So if it's a big shock and you don't necessarily have the moment to compose yourself, probably a bad time. But if you are prepped for it or you're okay, then it's good to immediately ask follow-up. Say, like, thank you. I'm sorry to hear that. But I would also love to get some feedback at some point if you have time or availability, that sort of thing. If you get a written um, note, say, two interviews in, uh, maybe the hiring manager didn't take the time or the hiring manager did, then it's a good idea just to take your time to compose a note. It's not an immediate response needed. Now, you found your job through a, a posting on Indeed, mm-hmm. but you said in your article for us that most of the openings that you chased came from your network. Tell, tell us more about that. Right. So this is what was fun is that usually, you know, networks and things are where they help you out the most. And mine just it didn't end up working out that way. But for me, what I focused on is I talked to friends and family, naturally, but also professors I'd had, previous people I'd worked with. The key thing was just being prepped to go to as many coffee uh, meetups as you can. And if that meant you're going to three cafes in a day, so be it. Because chances are they might not have a job for you. And the worst thing to do is say hi to your network and say, hey, please give me a job. But say, hey, I'm interested in X, Y, and Z. I'm good at A, B, and C. Do you know anybody who's in that industry or somebody I can talk to for some advice? That sort of thing. And for me, that helped out a lot. I spent a good month in the first place just talking to tons of people before I started to settle into strategies. Like like the recruiter I met who helped me out with my resume, that was two people along the line <laughs> after several coffee meets. Oh, oh, you like this? Cool. Go talk to you know Cheryl about X, Y, and Z, and they will move me towards George. And then George helped me out with the resume and moves on from there. That's the cool thing about networking. And as long as you go into it with an open mind and just trying to talk and make a nice uh, connection with somebody, 
you'll go somewhere. But the key thing is not to just go in there wanting something immediately. And your search was about three months, wasn't it? Yeah, give or take. Okay. How many uh, networking meetings did you have <sighs> during the three months? Kind of lost count, easily 20 to 25, which, and that's probably at a minimum. Um, for, but of course, the most impressionable ones have been about five. Okay. And so, and mind you, that's a small data set and sample, but I'd say that you shouldn't go expect that every single one's going to be a winner, but it's a higher chance of being a winner than just a random resume sent into the void. Yeah. So, yeah. So about eight meetings a month, so yeah, yeah, two, two to three a week. And that's, that's totally doable as far as I'm concerned. Um, well, how did you know when you saw the, uh, job at Columbia Sportswear that that was the right one for you? Well, first of all, it was directly in my line of interest. I do data analytics for a living. It's an analytics job. Great. Second of all, it's at a company that I've always enjoyed. It's an Oregon-based company. I like staying in Portland, so it was fantastic. Third thing is it was a new and growing position. I knew I'd be jumping in right as the fraud team was growing, and I get to be a part of that process. So immediately, I wanted to jump into there. So those all those hit all the uh, check marks for me, which is great. You've been there a year now. Mm-hmm. I think uh, this week was your first anniversary, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, actually. Congratulations. So, And you also got a promotion. How did you move up so quickly, Drake? Well, it helps being there at the right time and finding ways to make the company a lot of money. And the good thing is it was the right time to help build out the team from me and my boss to now we're at six people and we're trying to grow much quicker than that. Can't give you the hard numbers, but more than triple, which is great. Um, so that was one end. The second end is when I went into it, a lot of people go into, say, the fraud industry trying to save money. My thought is, no, let's try and find money because a lot of e-commerce companies and others will put a huge wall up. I'm trying to find ways to put a hole in the wall to let in good people because oftentimes somebody might seem bad online, but maybe they're ordering something for their cousin and it looks bad or maybe they have a new card and a new address. Those things seem kind of simple. Sure, but those add up if you're blocking them. The big thing for me, though, was international orders. I found out that our systems were seeing orders from South America as bad because obviously South America is bad for some reason. Whatever. Um, And every system is different, so I can't speak to every company. But I ran a pilot with some of our new um, investigators who had joined in our team and said, hey, can you take a look at these orders? They did, and over a time period of about a month, we found out none of the orders were bad whatsoever. Let's open up cautiously a line of business there, let those orders flow through, and all of a sudden, we were starting to have a ton of South American customers. We started growing that out more, started making some money, and Drake starts moving up the chain. It's great. So you not only solved problems by preventing fraud, but you also created opportunities for the company by finding new ways to, to grow the bottom line. It's all about the new revenue, and that's, yeah. that's the big thing. And for our team, what we focused on, while others you know, might have 20 different metrics, the three rules for all of our people on our team is make money, save money, and find money. That's it. It's pretty simple. Well, speaking of tips, what is your number one job hunting tip? Whew. Oh, man. Um, I would say don't get discouraged. And the way to don't get discouraged is to realize that it's a numbers game and you can play the numbers. It's a bit of a mental trick. No matter what, you're going to hit roadblocks every step of the way. You're going to hit rejection every step of the way. The only thing you have control over directly is how you react to that rejection. You can either get down in the dumps about it. I've been there. Or you can go, all right, that rejection is independent of me. I could have been a thousand resumes, nobody maybe has seen me. 
The only thing I can control is how many more resumes I can get out there, how many more people I can meet, how I can change my resume or my skill set to speak to more opportunities. As long as you realize that, it makes it easier. Excellent advice, Drake. Well, thank you for sharing your story. It's been a pleasure having you here in the studio. And you, our listeners, can learn more about Drake's job search by visiting maxlist.org slash stories. Check out the MaxList website for dozens of other success stories. Every Friday, we add a new interview with a MaxList reader who has found their dream job. Again, go to maxlist.org slash stories. And in the meantime, thank you, our listeners, for downloading today's episode of Find Your Dream Job. <laughs>